a short reading from Boundaries for Your Soul, co-authored by Dr. Allison Cook and our guest today, Kimberly Miller. Most clients come to us initially with the desire to talk about someone else, their spouse, boss, child, friend, and so on. We get it. When conflict detonates a frenzy of emotion, the natural response is to become reactive and to accuse the other. Jesus addressed this tendency to blame others. In his Sermon on the Mount, he challenged the crowd to work on their own personal growth. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Matthew 7, verse 5. Jesus wants to get to know the state of your soul. When you're feeling angry, what else is going on inside of you? Is there another part of you that's hurting? If so, it needs to be drawn in closer so you can give it the care it needs. Or is there a part of you that has become reckless and needs some gentle boundaries? Notice the cues. Listen to your pain. When conflicted emotions threaten to derail you, seize the opportunity to evaluate your internal boundaries. What thoughts and feelings need your time, attention, and redirection? These overwhelming parts of your soul present opportunities for your growth and healing. After all, internal conflict is growth trying to happen. Internal conflict is growth trying to happen. But wait, you say, that person said such cruel things. A part of you might be piping up, and that may be true. Whether or not you were provoked unjustly, however, it's most helpful to notice how you responded to the situation. Taking a U-turn, Y-O-U dash T-U-R-N, helps you gain clarity about your own thoughts and feelings so you can respond intentionally instead of becoming overwhelmed. Today, my friends, my heart-lifting friends, we're going to talk all about the five steps of taking a U-turn. I want you to buckle in and get ready because today's episode is a little long, but it is well worth your time. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, Grab a cup of something delicious and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle and welcome our guest, Kimberly June Miller to the show. And Kim has given us a beautiful permission to call her Kim. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist And she has a master's in theology. Kim is also certified in internal family systems therapy and imago relationship therapy. Plus, she is trained in the Gottman and Prepare Enrich therapy methodologies. Kim is the founder of Leading Wholeheartedly, a ministry that helps leaders tend to their inner lives so that they can better serve others. Prior to her work as a counselor, Kim was a campus minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Harvard University. She also worked for social investment fund Root Capital and for Agros International, where she helped design the Journey with a Village program, partnering startup villages in Central America with funding partners across the United States. I could go on, but I want to give as much time as I can to Kim. And today, Kim is going to lead us into a deeper understanding of 
Internal Family Systems Therapy, IFS, which we began learning about in Season 5, Episode 16, with her co-author and dear friend, Dr. Allison Cook. So refer to that for a deeper understanding yourself. If you're new and you're just listening today, you can refer back to that episode and gain even more understanding. I love the way they've co-authored this book, both sharing parts of their story, which are very relevant, and as always, I believe uh, the power of story informs the power of our story. So we learn as we glean from one another's narratives. So without further ado, today we are going to have the most wonderful conversation with Kim. Okay, well, thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you for having me here on your podcast. It's such an honor. And hello to all you listeners out there. Thank you for joining us. And yes, I come from a family that has some committed Christians in it on both sides. My grandparents prayed a lot for me and I feel their prayers regularly. And I also come from a family with counselors and psychologists. My aunt June Hunt is a biblical counselor Mm -hmm. and my uh, mother and stepfather, Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, uh, they developed the Imago relationship therapy technique, which is a couple's therapy, including a dialogue and a theory that that people marry someone or are attracted to someone who is the composite of their primary caregivers that wounded them. And they're trying that when you're attracted to someone, that's your unconscious trying to heal childhood wounds. And so that conflict you experience in marriage is not because you married the wrong person, but it's because there's growth trying to happen in the relationship. Right. That's yeah. so critical, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do see uh, couples and I also use this technique myself in my own marriage of sending a message and then having the partner mirror back to you what you said in a send. And then there's this process of mirroring and then validating, saying you make sense and then empathizing. I imagine you must be feeling hurt. Must be, And so that step of empathizing is really critical to a, to a person feeling without a doubt being heard. And um, yes, I grew up with this understanding of Mago dialogue and then through the process of learning internal family systems therapy, I've begun to teach my clients to speak and to send to their partner on behalf of parts of themselves instead of from those parts. Oh, I think I'm going to repeat that. (laughs) That's that's huge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when there's a conflict in a relationship, uh, to slow down in that moment and to say, are you available for me to send or are you available for me to share something that I'm feeling? And then in that sending, that communicating to say, yeah, I'm just aware that there's a part of me that's feeling sensitive right now. It's feeling triggered. And I'd like to just share on behalf of it with you. Are you available to hear about that part of me? Where was that Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) I really needed that. (laughs) I I need it every day. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So good. Yes, it's been very helpful again in my own marriage, and I really see the value in that that sort of communication because everyone is going to have conflict in their life. It's not a matter of whether we're going to have conflict, but it's a matter of how do we work through the conflict, how do we repair, and in doing so, we really can either glorify God or dishonor God by by a response to feeling hurt. And those conflicts are moments when we can really really bring a smile to God's face by pausing and speaking in a way that is spirit-led. And this is a, a technique for how to do that. We're not even in here and I'm already tearing up. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I, feel like I jumped, I jumped kind of, I jumped into the deep end. So. Well, heart lifters go deep and fast. And any, <laughs> any client of mine goes, Janelle's always got boots on because we're going deep. But if I can, I think I can frame what you're saying in what happened in my relationship with my husband on Sunday, if I can just share a minute and you tell me if this is the right way I would apply, because I think it would be very helpful if I had that tool this past. Oh, that was just yesterday. Okay. (laughs) So my husband just is a kitchen designer, bath designer, remodeler construction. So about a year, I don't know, a year or so ago, we redid our master bath. Mm-hmm. And so we have this beautiful shower that doesn't have a door and that's just so nice and it's lovely, um, but it seems to get moldy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess most showers get moldy, right? 
Well, Mm -hmm. I've been, he has had two shoulder surgeries of late. And so he's still been healing from his right shoulder. And so he's usually the one who does all the hard work of scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing and get it. He's a better cleaner than I am. So long story short, I had been cleaning it all week already, like just in little spurts of energy. You know, like every time I got in the shower, I'd pick up the little brush and I would clean it because you, you know, I just, you can smell it. I'm like, oh, it needs to be clean. And so he comes out of the shower Sunday and goes, well, I just, uh, oh, I just cleaned our like Petri dish. You know, I just cleaned our little bacteria experiment in the shower. And I was like, oh, I've been cleaning it all week, you know, in little spurts. And if anyone knows the Enneagram and my followers, my listeners do. And so they know my husband's an Enneagram one. So he's very much a perfectionist and all that. And I'm a two. And so I'm all, you know, tender. And so I went in there and I goes, but I've been cleaning this all week. Cause I felt immediate like disapproval. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I wasn't good enough and that I hadn't been doing my job yeah. and I've been working too hard. I'm not keeping the house clean. So a million pl- went right to a part though. Now that I am understanding internal family systems, it went mm-hmm. to the part of disapproval. So you're blended with a part that felt ashamed, mm-hmm. ashamed. I felt mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I didn't realize that I was like getting, my voice was getting louder because I'm a very loud person to begin with. And he goes, don't have to talk so loud. And he never, he never raises his voice. He's very sweet and dear. And he didn't really raise his voice a lot, but we're repressors. And Kim and I was sharing, I was sharing that with Kim before we got on, you know, we're repressors. We don't yell. We don't do conflict well. We're learning and growing in, in so many ways. And the minute he raised his voice and it kind of became authoritarian, yeah. oh, I just shut down. Mm-hmm. Not like my normal shutdown. I've come so far. I was just like, ooh, ooh. So then we'd say that a firefighter took over. Firefighter took over. Because managers are proactive and firefighters are reactive. So you had a part of it was like putting out those flames of the painful emotions, like a firefighter puts Mm -hmm. out fires. That part of you took over, sort of hijacked the system and was just trying to shut you down, Mm -hmm. shut down those feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so aware. Thanks Mm -hmm. to you and Allison uh, and the work that you have been offering to this community, but I didn't, I didn't connect it because I haven't been in it long enough to really be practicing it. I, I guess you would say, I know my, I have my other things I practice, but to practice mm-hmm. the part, that part of me. Mm-hmm. And so we just went about our way, but I just kind of got depressed uh-huh. and, and felt a bit sad. I band like discouraged. I have a hopeless part can take over if I'm not really dealing with conflict. It's just I get blended with the hopeless part. It just feels like, oh, it's this again, same thing again. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's exactly I couldn't <laughs> really identify it, which for me is crazy because it's all I do is help people identify <laughs> what's the one word feeling, you know? And I'm like, oh. But what I do then is I go, but I've I cleaned it. Like I really did. I tried to validate and all of that. So the day went on and I just kept trying to validate and I kept, I cleaned the whole bathroom. I cleaned, I just tried to validate myself. And so maybe we'll come back to that at the end when we do something of our work. Yeah. So you could do a redo. You could do a a redo of that moment. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine speaking on behalf of that part of you? um, What would that have looked like? Well, I love what you just said. You said, I mean, immediately I could have said, all right, you repeat it because I'm still not um, qualified in it. But do you have a minute for me to, how did you put that initially? To share on behalf of this discouraged part of myself or this ashamed yes. part of myself. Yeah. I have an example too. I can share an okay. example. I, I think that was well, <laughs> just yesterday. Yeah, what was it? Uh, it was in the morning and, oh, my husband took, so this is before church. We have a farmer's market here and my husband takes our daughter to the farmer's market, which is so cute. And so he takes her and I'm, I have like an hour to myself at the house. So oh. I'm a performer. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I go into this intense focused hour of organizing the mail station. That was oh, what I did. My hour. I was like, yes, I am going to just tackle this. Gosh. He does the same thing. That's hysterical. 
So it's so funny. So I just start like going through piles and piles of paper and I'm like, you know, categorizing and tossing and opening envelopes and all this stuff. And he comes back from his hour. I mean, he came back. I wasn't done. Of course, I was like, oh, I need another hour. I need another hour. But I didn't say anything. I was like, hello, welcome back. You know, I mean, the exact same clothes. I haven't gotten ready for church. <laughs> but, but I've made progress on the mail station. So I'm happy, happier than I was. And I had propped, I saw he got an important piece of mail and I had propped it up right on his little mail, mailbox in, his, in our mail station. And he walked in and he said, he said, what have you been doing? I said, oh, I've been organizing the mail station. Oh, and it looks like there's some mail for you that, that I put on your box. He went over and he, and he got a little frustrated. Like, well, where has this been? I haven't seen it. It's, it looks like it, it was post-dated May 15th. It's been here for oh my. several weeks. And where has it been? It was an important piece of mail. Wow. Ooh, I had a, I spiraled into the shame. Ooh, I'm a failure. I disappointed you. You know, so I'm really all of a sudden just blended with the shame. Mm. Not that it's my, I mean, why is, you know. I was going to say, are you the postman in the house? No, nobody designated me the males are. It's just, it just was sort of assumed that I should have been better at showing it to him or something. And anyway, I mean, he's, he's. it was just, you can imagine he was taken over by a part that was frustrated. Like maybe he thought I'd been, not that he told me I had to be the male organizer. It's just that maybe he thought I put it somewhere, whatever. He was just feeling frustrated. So anyway, I have been working on this for a long time, Janelle. And mm. so, and we, and we have date nights every week where we talk about it. Uh-huh. And we've been practicing this. And so I took a risk using the skills that I've been learning. And I said, I'm feeling, so I just want you to know right now, I'm feeling blended with a part of me that feels that I've disapproved, that, that I've uh, disappointed you. Yeah. And so it's speaking on behalf of that vulnerable part. It's not aggressive because it's vulnerable. Yeah, and speaking, exactly. And in saying it that way, he knows that there's other parts of me that don't feel that way. It's just that's one part of me that I'm blended with it in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just a walking victim of my circumstances, but I do have a part that felt that wanted his approval and didn't get it in that moment. So it's interesting how we had similar stories. So, Very similar. Um, I but think he, somebody knew we were having this podcast yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> Dismissed as coincidence. Anyway, but we were able to work it through. And I think mm-hmm. uh, it went much better than it would have if I had just shut down or, oh, gotten, yeah. or gotten really angry, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to shut down for hours and hours and hours. Hours. Because well, so, you don't know what to say. I mean, if you don't know what to say, and if you don't know something to say that could be helpful, then what do you do? Well, shame uh, to me is disabling. It's just so that's, disabling. That's why we need techniques and tools. We and, do. And we need mm-hmm. methods of, of how to share. Mm-hmm. And this method that Allison and I wrote about in our book is really a very specific Yeah. Uh, way of looking at your soul and a way of speaking um, just walks you through step by step what to do when you're just feeling a strong feeling that is overwhelming you. Let's just pause here. Let's have a teaching moment, a time to catch our breath and reacquaint ourselves. And if you're new to the podcast, actually understand what this internal family systems therapy developed by Dr. Dick Schwartz is all about. Dr. Cook, Allison Cook, and Kim co-authored the book Boundaries for Your Soul, and they added a Christian framework to Dr. Schwartz's work. And so it's it's fairly new to me, and it is uh, something that you do have to practice to begin to understand. And so I just wanted to give a quick review, just a quick, just a pause. And one of the beautiful parts of their book, they say, become a student of the many facets of your soul. So a big part of IFS, or internal family systems therapy, is that we are many parts. We are comprised of many different parts. And we'll talk about that again in a few minutes. But they write, at some point, you may have realized it's not just the problems and challenging people surrounding you that rob your life of joy. Like everyone, you have been wounded and have developed patterns that limit your ability to be your best self and experience lasting peace. Internal challenges such as anger, guilt, and unforgiveness require your attention or you end up overwhelmed and hurting others unnecessarily. It's hard to be good to others when you are hurting inside. 
And they invite us in their work to understand and even befriend the hurting parts of your soul, which I talked to Dr. Cook about in Season 5, Episode 16. And they continue and they write, as you listen to those hurting parts of your soul, you'll discover that these emotions represent distinct parts of your soul that need your care. You'll realize that some are too close to the essential you and some are too far away. I'm going to repeat that because that becomes very important. You'll realize that some of those hurting parts are too close to the essential you and some are too far away. You'll get to know overbearing aspects of yourself you wish would give you some space, as well as disowned, denied, and lost facets of your personality hiding in the shadows. All of these parts of you, whether too near or too far, exist for a reason. They need for you to create healthy boundaries with them so you can relate to them from a comfortable distance. It's like giving them some space is how I say it. Just, And you will certainly hear this in my my time of therapeutic exercise with Kim later in the episode. Your emotional well-being depends on it, as does the quality of your relationships. And then they write in chapter three on page 31 in the book, they explain three parts of you. Just stick with three parts of you. And these three parts of you are called, and because that's what she's referring to when we're talking here, And they say it's like the map of the soul. We have firefighters, we have exiles, and we have managers. Managers are the protectors who strive to keep us emotionally safe, and they prevent more vulnerable parts of us from experiencing harm. They're vigilantes, you might say. They want to keep our life smooth and predictable. They dutifully get you out of bed in the morning, and in the evening, they worry about what didn't get done. They drive you to perform, produce, protect, and please. They push you to stay on top of your game. Managers believe it's impractical for you to get bogged down with emotional pain. At their worst, so in our language, heartlifters, we might say when we're unhealthy, when we're in our shadow side... Without healthy boundaries, managers can keep us from experiencing emotional growth, deep down joy, and genuine connection with others. Firefighters are valiant. (laughs) As valiantly as managers struggle to keep your world free of emotional pain, life has a way of thwarting their best efforts. When you're hurting, another category of protectors called firefighters Strive to minimize your suffering. Firefighters, as their name suggests, try to extinguish pain after it occurs. These impulsive parts indulge in a lot of whatever feels good, distracting you and tricking you into believing you're handling life well. At their best, firefighters help you care well for yourself so that you effectively manage life's hardships. They remind you when it's time to rest, and they help you unwind. At their worst, now here we once again, Heartlifters, this is our shadow side. This is when we're unhealthy, when we're leaning back on old narratives and old feedback loops, when you know we've worked so hard to rewire our neural pathways, sometimes they, they just want to keep going back to that very comfortable ridge in our brain. So at their worst, if a firefighter is not kept within proper boundary lines, they can lead you down a path of reckless self-indulgence. Countless firefighter activities want to numb unwanted feelings. They want to extinguish our pain. So you can imagine, you know, we'll either mindlessly surf the web, escape through social media, over-exercise, overeat, over-clean, overspend, oversleep. Hello, watching entertainment excessively, gambling compulsively, sexual addiction, excessive daydreaming, or escaping into romance uh, novels, abusing alcohol or drugs. Finally, the third part of us is the exile. We've all experienced some 
brokenness that we cannot fix, some sadness that we cannot undo. We try to forget emotional wounds, but we often deny parts of ourselves in the process. And so parts of us harbor the feelings and insecurities we would rather the world not see. These parts are called exiles because they've been banished or they're in hiding. Dr. Schwartz wrote, we try to exile the fallout from dreadful episodes in the past, but in doing that, we're not only exiling memories, sensations, and emotions, we're also exiling the parts of us that were hurt most by those events. Exiles are the distressed parts that your managers and firefighters are trying to protect. Voiceless and long neglected, many exiles can be in a state that psychologists call learned helplessness. They have great need and they've often yielded their power in unproductive ways. If not befriended, exiles can cause a host of problems. So just tune in here. See if any of this is resonating with your soul. It can include phobias or a victim mentality. So the following feelings signal that an exile needs attention, shame. So immediately in that shower situation, I was experiencing shame. I was shaming myself. Fear, insecurity, I'm not good enough. I never do a good job. Hurt, a feeling of worthlessness, a sense of being marginalized, a sense of being talked down to, a sense of being unseen, unappreciated, or overlooked, loneliness, and sadness. When it comes to protectors, those managers and firefighters and exiles, you might think of the stronger parts of you protecting the weaker ones. However, your protectors have limited strategies. Furthermore, they don't understand that weaker doesn't mean inferior. And you and I have talked about this so much. Go back to our beautiful episode, Strength Has Many Faces. I just want you to know that becoming stronger every day has many faces. My experience with my husband in that silly old shower example is just an example that I was actually becoming stronger in that moment because I was recognizing my manager. I was recognizing the firefighter, even though I didn't, I'm not well practiced in IFS. They write, as author Andy Crouch astutely noted in his book, Strong and Weak, flourishing requires us to embrace both authority and vulnerability, both capacity and frailty. And I will repeat 1 Corinthians 12, 22, in the words of the Apostle Paul, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. Yeah, and what I'd love and what I want you to remind us today, because I, I love that C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest things I ever heard him say was, I'm not here to teach you anything new. I'm just here to remind you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that is the basis of my life as a teacher then. It's just, there's really nothing new under the sun. But, you know, I want to remind everyone with that IFS, and then you can add the imago, but IFS, you understand your soul as different parts. And it's very biblical, and you share it from a biblical perspective of Psalm 131. If you would share a little bit about that to help us all remember and remind ourselves that how how can we be parts? Like, aren't we supposed to be whole? If, if I can start with Romans 7, mm-hmm. because I think that's a great verse to show the problem that happens because we have parts uh, where, where Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. Um, I do the things that I hate. And so he's talking about having different parts of him that are in conflict with one another in there. Yeah. And and then um, fast forward to King David. You know, King David is an example of someone who did something he didn't want to do, mm-hmm. i.e. send for a married woman that he saw bathing in the moonlight and bring have her brought to his bedroom and then have her husband killed so that he wouldn't find out about it, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so quite he, the he, epic. This is a man after God's own heart. So you can see yes. the complexity of the human nature there. And then by the end of the Psalms, we read in Psalm 131, verse two, he says, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a, a child within me. 
a child with its mother. And it's such a beautiful verse because really illustrating there that we have within us this ability, like the internal parent that has the ability to have secure attachment with a part of ourselves that has been crying. Oh, it's like, let that sink in that, yes, it'd be great to have secure attachment with someone else in our life that we don't right now. You know, that would be a nice thing. And we can work and pray toward that end. And we can have secure attachment with the part space that need our attention. And it takes the that. adult within to actually step up to the plate and provide that nurture just like it does with a, a mother. And can you share a little bit more about that? Because I think that's definitely one of the basis is, that's not a word. <laughs> basis is one of the foundations of what we do here is to heal ourselves, and that we can earn our own secure attachment, right? As an adult. So how might you add to that conversation, I guess? Oh yeah. Well, I would add to it in that there's several layers of relationship going on. There's your relationship with our father in heaven. So mm-hmm. our father in heaven smiles on you. He loves you. Mm-hmm. He welcomes you in every part of who you are. So we have that secure attachment waiting for us to just receive and live into. And then we also have the spirit-led self for those who perceive mm-hmm. spirit, yield in their hearts, invited the Holy Spirit of God to live within. We have this powerhouse within of the Holy Spirit ready to love, just love up all those parts of us that need our <laughs> need our I love, love up. Love up. I love that too. I love that's that. our next book. Love up. love up. Love up those parts. Yeah. Love up. Oh my love gosh. That's parts. so powerful. Yeah. Ooh, I got yeah. chills on chills. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Holy yeah, Spirit's ready. Because part, the parts need, I think if you ask people, you know, what are the parts of you that you're aware of? I could ask your listeners right now, what are the different parts of you that you're aware of? Almost everyone has an inner critic. Yeah. You know? And um, we were talking about Leanne Payne earlier today, and she writes in one of her books, there's this little diagram, and I actually think we include it in our book, that there's a, a step of, of maturity that most people never take, or, hmm. um, which is moving from self-hatred to self-acceptance. Yes. Talk, and, talk yeah, to and us, so, teach right, us. Yeah. And how many of us live our lives ruled by this inner critic that just mm-hmm. won't stop pounding us for things we, we're not doing perfectly? All day long, sometimes. So how do we love up that inner critic, see its good intentions, see oh. that it comes by its feelings honestly, that yes. that it was that you were, you were perhaps criticized as a, as a child and mm-hmm. this part developed to try to keep you from feeling that pain. Mm-hmm. And so, wow, good intentions. You, can't, you, know, you can see why it's there. And how about this part realize and be updated, be updated yes. about God's love and that there's such a thing as grace. Mm-hmm. because Jesus died and rose again for us and yes. we're forgiven and free. And sometimes even though in a certain way, a person uh, has received the gospel message and yielded and said yes to the gospel message, there might be parts that didn't know what happened there with that conversion experience. And, and the parts are stuck in the past and need to be updated and brought into the present. Wow. And so what? Wow. So the process is focusing on that inner critic and saying, Hi, you're welcome at the table. Let's talk. And then, hey, have you ever heard of a man named Jesus? Oh, wow. Have you ever heard about how he's God and all things were made through him? And he offers grace. And let's hang out with him a little bit. And then see if that that inner critic still continues Mm -hmm. to add on you, you know? But I bet it'll experience transformation because he's so good. Mm -hmm. You know, and really what we're talking about is bringing those parts of us that are stuck in the past to sit at Jesus' feet to receive from him all of his goodness and experience transformation so we can live out fully the freedom and the love and the joy that he wants for each one of us. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of just the epiphany I just had was Psalm 139. I've never thought of it through this framework that it actually says he has created us in the inner parts of our mother's womb, right? Is that how it's spoken, I believe? I'll clarify. Let's take a second and yeah, find let's take a look. Let's just go to the floor, right? Right. Yeah. A reading from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18, as written in the Living Bible. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand. 
When far away, you know my every thought. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. You both proceed and follow me and place your hand of blessing on my head. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from you, God. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. The night becomes light around me. For even darkness cannot hide from God. To you, God, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. All the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. You saw me before I was born. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you, you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. It's really just aspects of who we are that have mm-hmm. their stories and they're not bad. Parts of us are good, you know, because they're us or who God, God created us to be. They just, when we experience pain in life, which happens to all of us, there's a certain party that gets stuck in that time and that experience. Without a doubt. Yes. It does not continue to grow like the rest of you does. I don't understand why or how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't ask me to explain it. And you can't see it, but it is just something that psychologists have noticed over the years. And there's a consensus that this is true. And I've experienced it myself and I see it in my clients all the time, Janelle, Mm. that a person can be a Christian, be a devoted follower and not know that through and through, like have parts of them that aren't aware of it. That is just astounding to me. And I would love to take a million more minutes, but I also have a million more things. But I I do want to pause. I will take a pause and help us all really. I always say that's like a lean in moment here. Mm -hmm. Lean in and listen to Kim talking about that there are some of your parts that may not be very aware yet of the the Jesus presence inside of you, right? Exactly. exactly. Is that a good way to say it? They need you to take the rings. They need you to step up to the plate. Like mm-hmm. I love this analogy of the symphony orchestra. They need yeah. To, let's talk to, talk about the, yes. Okay. So Matt, a great metaphor for the soul, which is one that I think Dick Schwartz, PhD, who's founded internal family systems. He uses this analogy that your soul is like a symphony orchestra and you have this internal conductor that leads the different parts of your soul. So a good conductor will say, oh, to the drummer, you know, you're playing a little too fast and we'll just, just with the right tip of the wand, slow the drummer so, down. Suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might call that a boundary, a gentle boundary if the drummer's too loud, for example. And maybe there's a violin that's playing just a little bit too, too soft and a good conductor will hear that, hear that song, hear that sound missing and say, you know, speak up just a little bit louder, like play just a little bit louder. And then all of a sudden there's just this beautiful melody. 
harmony, <laughs> right? And, and everyone just loves listening to it and it makes everyone happy mm-hmm. yeah. to hear it. So that's what we're talking about. Just noticing where are the parts of me that are too loud, which parts of me are too quiet, um, mm-hmm. and how can I lead and guide the parts of me to speak in a way that is pleasant. And I would equate that because in my, in my new book, Stronger Every Day, one of the nine tools that I offered was on healthy assertiveness mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to use my voice. Mm. I didn't, I didn't mm. ever learn. And we equate voice with value, worth, and dignity in my community. That's where I started. Wait a minute. Right. Right. Wait a minute. I am clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear so I can smile at my future, right? So it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am clothed in strength and dignity. So once that work permeated into my soul (laughs) and all the parts, all the parts of my soul, you know, I was able to understand that I have a voice. I can think, I can use my voice. I can make choices. I have permission Wow. Crazy, right? Wow. It's awesome. You're an instrument in God's hands. So I feel like what you just were sharing there with the symphony was like, you know, hold on drummers. You're, you know, you're being a little too aggressive. Right. Right. You know, you, and over here, I was first chair clarinet. So it was like over here, come on, Janelle, you you need to lead with a little bit more crescendo and vibrato. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and and we need our drummers. Like, we, like yes, I went to worship on Sunday at church, and I just love the the beat of the drum. I mean, everybody—that's what makes your, your it is. Talent, you know, makes mm-hmm. you start. Dance. And like, we love those drummers, and but you don't want it to be too loud. Have you ever been to a, a band where the drum is just too loud? Oh, so yeah. it's just having that right that right balance. And balance. and I'm guessing that when when you were perhaps not when you hadn't developed the voice that you have now there might've been moments when you snapped or when, when you would speak too loud because you were aware that you weren't really speaking in a way in other times that really expressed your values. So there's this imbalance and we, and we have parts of ourselves that are polarized like that sometimes, you know? Yeah, I was, and I, I've talked about it before in, in many episodes and written about it. My repression was loud. There you go. That's well said. Okay, that's very well said, Janelle. I'm trying yeah. to frame it here. It's like an author. <laughs> oh, I try. Yes. yes. Um, but my repression was so loud, and it instead of using my voice, I slammed things wow. like wow, cabinet very, doors or well, yeah, like in every relationship, there's a, a turtle and a hailstorm, you know, and the turtle usually is a snapping turtle. <laughs> mm. Uh, So here we are at teaching moment number two. So sorry to interrupt, but I feel like Kim's reference to her parents' article or metaphor that they wrote, are you a turtle or a hailstorm, is worth us really listening to. People react to conflict in one of two ways, by minimizing or maximizing their energy. Under stress, minimizers tend to hold in their reactions, containing their energy deep inside. Conversely, when maximizers are anxious, they tend to express themselves loudly to whoever is in hearing range. In a Mago relationship theory, which is what Kim's parents, Harville and Helen, developed, They use this term, or they call the minimizer the turtle and the maximizer the hailstorm. All of us are both, but one response is dominant and the other recessive when we experience conflict. (laughs) And of course, given our unconscious attraction towards opposites, turtles and hailstorms fall in love which becomes problematic later on in the relationship. This is the unconscious voice inside the hailstorm. I'm going to make my partner give me more attention and love by raising my voice and expressing my feelings and thoughts with a lot of energy. Simultaneously, the unconscious voice inside the turtle says, 
I'm going to make my partner honor my boundaries by retreating even further into my isolated shell, excluding them from my personal space. The hailstorm turtle dynamic ends up perpetuating itself with drastic consequences. The deeper a turtle retreats into its shell, the more a hailstorm will hail. The more the hailstorm hails, the deeper the turtle withdraws, exasperating their mutual anxiety. Neither of these ways are wrong. Both are ways we adapted to what we perceive as danger. So this is that fight, flight, freeze, living out of your amygdala, right? Living out of your sympathetic nervous system. They continue, but these cause deep rifts in the relationship that can spiral out of control fairly quickly. One solution that Harville and Helen, Kim's parents, say they teach is to become more like your partner and for your partner to become more like you. Turtles need distance. (laughs) They like to spend time alone, lost in their own thoughts. This is how they recharge. Turtles process their feelings quietly on the inside, reflecting carefully before offering input. On the other hand, hailstorms prefer to process their feelings with others. They thrive on contact and respond in the moment. And they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and dive headlong into a heated debate. Just because you and your partner are programmed to respond in pretty much polar opposite ways doesn't mean you have to be victims. This is the growth and healing opportunity through the stretching activities of becoming more like the other. Turtles need to learn how to push their energy out and to show up and participate. That would be me and my husband, repressors, right? And yes, it's true. We both need time alone. We need to both have distance. We both need to have time to recharge and process our feelings quietly on the inside. So I like to think that maybe my husband and I have both had to learn how to be a little bit more like a hailstorm. And so as we are learning both how to use our voice, speak up, be assertive, not aggressive, then we are, we are really loving each other well. So turtles need to show up and participate, and hailstorms need to learn the wisdom of stepping back and containing their energy. This exchange helps each one gain important skills and develops muscles that needed strengthening. As turtles and hailstorms find common ground through becoming more like each other, balance and connection is restored in the relationship. There you go. The turtle and the hailstorm. My gosh, um, there's so many yeah. turtles around here. I'm going to be remembering <laughs> this. We have to defend ourselves somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, we have protector parts that, yeah. need to, that again, um, are, are very well intended and mm-hmm. uh, are trying to keep us from feeling pain. So sometimes they can be aggressive. I've really worked on that a lot myself the past decade. And I used to Oh, snap more, you know, and oh, I just I feel gotten, so much better. Got some feedback that I was a little t- snapping a little too often, <laughs> too yes. loud. So I've really worked at just. Um, I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. and I still find myself like, oh, there it goes again. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm much mm-hmm. better, much you know, much better than I used to be. So mm-hmm. I think that's a result of Holy Spirit and yes. Christ dwelling within me and doing His work within me, and then also learning this this method of inviting the Lord to guide every different part of me, the parts that take over so that they're spirit led too. I just love it. I love that we both have, and, and this is why I think this conversation is so valuable as well, because something hits the fan in marriages, right? That's <laughs> too with work relationships, with parents. And children, you know, it's, just, it's like the nature of human connection to have conflict. Oh, I know, but mm, when but you, marriage, yes, marriage is hard. <laughs> no, but when you've been raised and don't know what to do with that conflict, right? right. So then it like amplifies yeah. the conflict yeah. upon conflict because. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so grateful, though, that this is a 
a beautiful moment to just be grateful that God is always willing and he's always preparing and ready for us to keep learning and learning and learning. So I love that my husband and I are both committed as you and your husband to growth, to having a growth mindset, to becoming closer to Christ so that we can become closer to each other. But what I was aiming at here also is just, it's in the most ridiculous situations, like your male conducting. I know. And my mold oh, detecting. We still, my husband and I, just, we just laugh at ourselves all the time because we have the biggest arguments over where the keys are. You know, does it? Do I hear an amen? Does anyone really? Can I hear an amen? <laughs> keys are not on the hook. Where are the keys? Ever? Where are the keys? Where are the keys? And there is a hook for the there keys. Is a hook for the keys. <laughs> so today, you know, there's hope. For the hopeless situations where you think I've tripped over this route for thousands of years. And so we shared our hearts today. And I really would love to hear from all of you. And I know that Kim would too. So I'll give you uh, ample opportunity to talk about your mold detection and and male situations, M-I-I-L, where, you know, these miscommunicated, misaligned expectations... And, and sometimes these, bigger issues too, like sometimes oh yeah, big, big problems as, exist yeah. as well. It's just this. I think this method we're talking about, the approach to resolving conflict, applies to mm-hmm. any situation, how little or how how big it may be. Yeah. Yes, and I will make sure to put in the show notes just a very basic, helpful tool PDF. And okay. I'll just go ahead and so say you, it here now, Kim, you were going to put what you you were going to give away something on your. Oh, yes. Well, I have, I have on my website already, KimberlyJuneMiller.com. I have an infographic of the five steps of taking a U-turn. Yep. And it just is a picture basically that demonstrates the process of focusing on a part. I love it. Befriending it. Yeah. Unburdening it, inviting God to be near it and putting it to work for you. But I was realizing that I don't have a a script on there of how to lead someone else through this experience or how to even lead a group through it. And I get asked for this from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a script that I could use to just read out to another person or to a group? And I'm going to put that on my website too. Perfect. So when you go to KimberlyJuneMiller.com, which I just love Kimberly June, sounds so Southern, even though you live on the West Coast, uh, KimberlyJuneMiller.com, then you put your email in and, and you will be the recipient of these amazing tools. So I want to close because I, I want to honor your time. Oh, okay. With we just got started. <laughs> okay, can we keep going? I'll make it two parts. I'm good. <laughs> um, but you write on page nine, just on page nine. I, I really am always still so stuck on the beginning of this book because it's so good. And I read it in the episode preview. Jesus wants you to get to know the state of your soul. Mm-hmm. And I just <clears throat> I don't know if that's even the name of it. It's just so, so good. And I thought, you know, we have a State of the Union address every year. So I thought this might, the title of this episode might be the State of the Soul address. I just think it might be. And you write, when you are angry, what else is going on inside of you? So as you listen to this little excerpt, again, I want you to be framing something inside of you that you might be wanting to work on today. Is there another part of you that is hurting? If so, it needs to be drawn in closer so you can give it the care it needs. Or is there a part of you that has become reckless and needs some gentle boundaries? You know, that conductor's baton just kind of leaning over. And my, and my the conductor of my, or my band, concert band would just, all we'd have to do is look our way. Mm, yes. He just all he had to do was just either point the baton our way because you're so focused on him. Yes. You know, yes. and on his eyes and on that baton, it's so important. Parts and that's, really, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Parts really, parts really respond to attention from your spirit love self. Yeah. Because they're hungry for it, starving. And then you write, notice the cues. And so that's that noticing, like, where is the baton pointing? And what is, where's the Holy Spirit leading? And then listen to your pain. I really, Kim, I'm wondering, I didn't want to pause here, but I feel like I need to. I feel like that's what I'm 
been training my clients and myself, but my clients lately more, they, they don't know how to listen to their pain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I think this is so critical today. And I'm so glad we're talking about it because, or, or sit with your pain, as we might say, you continue when conflicted emotions threaten to derail you. Okay. So that would have been Sunday's mold mm-hmm. or Sunday's mail. Seize the opportunity to evaluate your internal boundaries. What thoughts and feelings need your time, attention, and redirection? Mm. After all, internal conflict is growth trying to happen. I think that is so profound. That one statement, internal conflict is growth trying to happen. Mm. (sighs) So I asked you, can you help us or me, we're going to use me as a guinea pig here, I think, to get to know the state of my soul so we can somehow begin resolving and reconciling the internal conflict. And Kim, you asked, would I be willing to go through uh, you guiding me through that five-step U-turn? <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, so let me just read through that and then we'll get going. And like I said, I want you to keep, listeners, keep a hurting part of yourself. I know you've already related to something that Kim has said or that I have said. You've already gone, oh yeah, oh yeah, I got a story. You want to hear my story? Okay, so it's time to bring part one to a close. And I want to do that with a big, deep breath because this this is a lot, as we say, in uh, my practice. We can kind of tell as the sessions are going on and I can look at my client's face and I can sense that this is a lot, this is enough, we need to stop. So initially I was going to just play this podcast episode all the way through, but it's just a lot. So we're going to take a break here and give you ample time to listen and re-listen. I have a lot of teaching moments here. I've read The Turtle and the Hare, and I just want you to revisit it this week as we prepare for part two, where Kim is graciously going to lead me, her guinea pig, as an example of how to befriend your soul using her five-step U-turn, Y-O-U slash turn. It's brilliant. I love it. I have now begun, began implementing it in my private practice and in my own life. So in preparation, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to my newsletter, which you can easily do now by just texting HEARTLIFTER. That's one word, H-E-A-R-T-L-I-F-T-E-R, to 844-807. 8688. That's 844-807-8688. So grab your phone right now and text HEARTLIFTER to 844-807-8688 and you will receive my newsletter, which will contain the PDFs that I mentioned today in this episode. So you'll receive a PDF on the five-step U-turn, a map of the soul, and the beautiful turtle and the hare, so that you can have it before you as you're preparing for next week's episode, where Kim is graciously going to walk me through, as the guinea pig, a five-step U-turn. It's really beautiful. It was eye-opening. And in preparation for that as well, I want you to be considering which hurting part of your soul you're going to befriend, so that you can parallel the U-turn with me as I am processing my own. You'll be able to process your own as Kim directs and guides you. So don't forget to text HEARTLIFTER to 844. Let me give you that number one more time. 844-807-8688. I know I sound like a commercial. Forgive me, please. But I don't want you to miss out on all of these goodies And I don't want you particularly to miss out on walking through this five-step U-turn with Kimberly Miller. And it's just a fabulous, beautiful exercise for befriending the hurting parts of your soul. That's it for today. I can't wait until next week. Until then, remember, you are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear. You do not have to fear your future. 
anymore. In fact, you can begin to smile at your future. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.